Welcome back, my holiday friends. This is the Six Overtimes Podcast. Chaz Wagner here in Pittsburgh, not New York. It's December 27th. I've got my wonderful co-host on the line, Scott Wildermuth. How are you, my sir, this holiday season? I'm very well. I'm very well. Merry Christmas, sir. Ho, ho, ho. It's actually Christmas for us today. It certainly is. It's, uh, it's, we're unwrapping some presents tonight. Seven o'clock sharp for, uh, we got two games on the docket for everyone. Uh, Christmas for the six overtimes team because tonight is the start of Big East play. We have Pitt traveling to Notre Dame and then we have Providence. Uh, they're going to St. John's. So Scott and, er- Scott and I, excuse me, are going to preview tonight's games and then there are four great games on Wednesday night. That we're going to preview as well, and uh, let's get right into it, Scott. So, Pitt and D, uh, two teams that I would say are struggling right now. Um, Pitt had a horrible loss on Friday night as I was driving home from New York. Yikes. Going across the PA Turnpike, I was following on my phone, then I picked it up on the local radio, and... The team, when you put up 54 points on a Wagner team, this is the first time that the Panthers have lost to an NEC Northeastern Conference team, and non-conference losses at home are just unthinkable to uh, to Panther fans, but it uh, it's coming to be a trend this, this season. Yeah, they got two now uh, when they lost to Long Beach State earlier in the season, and that was with Trey Woodall. Yeah. And uh, this one... No Trey Woodall and no W for the Pitt Panthers against Wagner. And I don't even know anything about Wagner, where the school is, what the school, you know. I have no knowledge about even what that is, much less their basketball team. I'll give you, I'll interject real quick. Wagner is located in uh, Staten Island. Okay. The only reason I know that is because my former roommate in Brooklyn went to Wagner and we didn't exactly see eye to eye as i've told you before i did not like this kid at all <laughs> and i've i've since moved on from from rooming with this kid well, i would hope so and i couldn't stand him but when i saw that wagner had beaten pitt one of my teams i just thought that this guy is still exacting revenge on me and i just can't escape the uh the horror of living with this kid <laughs> but guaranteed no way this kid knew even knows that wagner has a basketball team so it wasn't like he was he was texting me on Friday night, jumping for joy about the win. So that's just there. There is a school out there that that uh, <laughs> Wagner is in Staten Island. Yeah, it's a brutal loss, and you know it's going to be a big blemish on for the selection com- committee when they're looking at Pitt's resume uh, in March, and it's, it's pretty tough. But you know this game that we have on Tuesday at seven o'clock, I think it's on ESPN. Uh, on TV, uh, how are they? How is Pitt only one and a half point favorites against Notre Dame? Uh, I don't see anything that shows me that Notre Dame can compete with Pitt. Um, and I just is playing at home really going to be the difference maker for the Fighting Irish? Uh, I just I see nothing that indicates that they're going to be uh, competitive in the Big East, much less tonight. I think one thing. Definitely is Mike Bray has fared well against Jamie Dixon these last few years. ND is on a three-game winning streak over the Panthers. I think that's going for him. I think Pitt hasn't really been tested on the road as many of these top Big East teams tend to shy away from really having big road tests because they know Scott going into Big East play that it's just going to be a brutal, rugged stretch going into that. 
and uh, Ashton Gibbs has has not been shooting like he is, and Pitt's just not a dominant team. While ND hasn't shown any any signs of success or or development, I just think it's uh, it's you know the the line is one thing we we can we can pull hairs about that, but uh, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very close game. I think Pitt will win, but it's just gonna be an ugly um, you know ugly biggies you know typical biggies game. So you think that they'll rebound from their their loss on Friday night to Wagner to uh, come back and open up the season one no in, in conference play? I think so. Uh, Notre Dame really struggles on the glass. They're 14th in the Big East in rebounding. I think that Pitt will take advantage of that, even though Ken Birch is no longer there. I think Dante Taylor, I think Lamar Patterson hits the glass pretty well, Nasir Robinson. Um, I think that the front court of Pitt will wear down Notre Dame's lack of of an inside presence, even though J- J- uh, Jack Cooley can can show uh, sh- show some magic in the post, I don't think it's going to be enough for the Irish. Mister Concrete Boots himself, Jack Cooley. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see them out rebounding uh, the front court like you just like you mentioned for Pitt. I, I think Pitt's been real strong on the glass, it seems, and everyone's you know they've been doing a great collective and team rebounding. That's that's what I've been impressed with with Pitt, um, and I don't see that being something that Notre Dame has as a strength. I, I, I agree with you. I think the Panthers take this one. I think it's going to be close, though, because that line does indicate to me that it's it, it looks too easy to take Pitt, which usually means that uh, you know Vegas thinks that it's going to be a closer game than is uh, registering with us. So I think it's going to be like a five or six point win for Pitt. Scott, I th- Vegas should be coming us. I don't, I don't think you should pay uh, put much faith into these lines. I think six overtime six overtimes team knows more about a Big East matchup than any any Vegas uh, odds maker. How about how about that? <laughs> Those Vegas jokers. That's right. Well, let's move on to the other game on Tuesday night. One team on the up and up, and the another team on the down and down. We've got the Providence Friars heading into, uh, is this a Carnesec Arena or at the Garden? I, I gotta think that it's a Carnesec Arena. Oh yeah, I think that's the case. Yep. I don't, I don't think this is an MSG, uh, affair. Providence, a, a couple things, uh, background stories on this game, Scott. We were talking before we hopped on. Both teams bring back guys, um, that will add some, some help for their depth issues. Um, St. John's gets Amir Garrett who was one of the three ineligible freshmen to start the year. He went back to his prep school, was able to play the last few months just to get some, keep his legs going, keep his shot fresh and, and, and fluid. He is 6'7". He'll add some front court depth. He only had three points and, and two boards in the Texas Pan Am game, Pan Am game where he returned in, but that's really going to help out Mo Harkless, God's Gift, and Sir Dominic Pointer to just give him Rather than log in 39, 40 minutes, maybe 35, 36 moments, minutes, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. And then who's this Providence? Providence returns... Uh, Kadeem another, Bats. Uh, yeah, so he'll, he, he's not a freshman, but what he's a sophomore, and he, he put up some decent numbers in the, last year. Yeah, he was suspended for the first semester. I'm not sure for what, but he's a 6'9", 250-pound uh, front court guy as well, and he seems like he's going to just add some girth and some... It's more depth to a team that really didn't have any as well. And 
there are a lot of parallels between this Providence team and the St. John's in, in the in the fact that you know the four the main four for Providence really logs about 38 39 minutes and then they have two or three guys to take that last spot but in this case I think Bats is really going to uh, give them a little bit more depth and a little bit more length and and really make it hard especially for St. John's to uh penetrate down low with such a big body yeah and you gotta love this matchup between the uh very very um probably the best some of the best performing freshmen in the big east in mo harkless of st john's going up against ladante henton of providence and mo harkless got a lot of accolades and in press coming into the big east but ladante henton has just been a, a joy to watch basically he's been uh He's been crashing the glass, and it's. I think whoever wins that rebounding battle and whoever can put up the uh, put up the points in the post there is probably gonna uh, is probably gonna win this game between those those two freshman bigs. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, we've t- we've talked about this before that Harkless has to take a lot of shots. He's a volume shooter in order to get his 15, 16 points. Where Hatton's been getting to the line a little bit more, but he's been a little bit. M- less consistent than Harkless has been this season. I'm interested also to see the point guard matchup where it's Phil Green versus uh, Vince Council. See how Phil Green can sort of deny penetration that Providence has shown that they're able to do all season long so far. Um, Yeah, I I, I see this as a, I see this as a blowout. I I don't think this is going to be close. I, I uh, I like the Friars in a big way. Friars in a blowout. I love it. We're not yeah. used, we're, we're not used to saying that across the Big East. Yeah, exactly. I like um, that you're shorting up uh Vincent Council. You're you're on uh Nick you're on uh, you're shorting his name already to Vince. Oh yeah. Are you guys boys already? I might start calling him Big V or V C. Big V, wow, V C. V C two. Yeah, like V yeah. speaking of Vince, uh Vince Carter, watching him with the Mavs, that guy is just bouncing all around. He's he's his his game is breaking down by the minute. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's he's a little bit of he's washed up. He's done. Pretty, it's over. Pretty tough to watch, but something that won't be tough to watch is the Georgetown Hoyas on Wednesday night going into Louisville to the KFC Yum Center, and uh, for. Getting right into it. I mean, when you think of good Big East matchups and what we've been waiting for, Scott, we've we've got it right here in, in Louisville on Wednesday night. You better believe it, baby. This is going to be great. Big time game. This is Louisville's chance to really prove that they are a top five team in the country. I mean, you look at this matchup and Georgetown comes out of obscurity and when they open up in the Big East and Louisville has been up there for the entire year. It's going to be great. It's uh, Georgetown really has nothing to lose in this game. They got nothing. Even they're ranked. They're getting. They're hovering around the top fifteen. But yes, Louisville. Everyone is waiting for that. For that loss. For them. For them to come back down to, not come back down to earth, but just for their ranking to be. Everybody wants to put UConn ahead of them. It's basically like UConn's nine or ten rankings, but it's basically flip flopped in everyone's mind. Yeah, but they can't do it because they're undefeated. They can't, but but everyone wants all the prognosticators and the the critics and everyone. They want Louisville to lose just so they can be like, okay, UConn's a better team. Everyone knew it. Um, 
But there's some ma- there's some intriguing matchups in this game. I think for me, you might uh, you might you know differ. I think Hollis Thompson against Kyle Kirk. These guys have been kind of the leaders and especially the scoring leaders when this when both teams have needed a big bucket. Most notably, Hollis Thompson hitting down that monster bucket against Alabama. Man, win, that was awesome to win that big one. But Kyle Kirk too. Um, it's just going to be awesome to see how those guys match up against each other. Yeah, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing too because it seems like Hollis Thompson's been a little bit of uh, matchup proof where I, I don't think Kyle Kirk is at that point yet. But I'm looking at the big men. I want to see Sims versus Dang. I want to see who who comes out alive in this matchup because I think that will give us a lot of an indication of who's going to be the better center, and I think it's going to be really important when they play against Drummond and Fab Mello and Herb Pope. You know, I think I think we'll learn a lot about how tough these two guys are in this matchup tomorrow night. I think that, you know, that Sims and Dang matchup, I think but when Chain Behannon comes in, I think he he is so strong, and I think I think he can just wear down uh, Sims because Sims is more of, fin- of a finesse big man, yeah. we, as we've said. I mean, he has that's what helps him, and he's he's a very good passer for his size and his length. But I think if you get Dang working on him early, and then you bring in Chain, I think that that one two combo. I think they can really wear down um, Sims by the by the end of this ball ball game. Oh, certainly. That's definitely a possibility. Uh, I'm I'm interested in seeing what happens there. Um, I honestly think that Georgetown pulls this one off just because. Yeah, I I think they go into the Yum Center and take them take them down. I think it's time. I I think they have nothing to lose. I think I think they get a little bit icy. I think they drill a lot of shots. Win the three-point battle, which I think is going to be the big, uh, big difference maker in these two uh, two teams in this particular case. All right, so another game on Wednesday night is going to be Seton Hall and the fight in Fuquans against Syracuse Orange in Syracuse. Um, it's going to be a battle for those Pirates to really prove that they're a legitimate NCAA tournament-bound team, and it starts on Wednesday night against the Orange. Yeah, talk about a team with I. I think uh, Seton Hall is a team with nothing to lose. Uh, oh yeah, said Georgetown, but Seton Hall. They've basically they've had a great year. We've we've put them up on a pedestal, but they've really beat a lot of NIT teams. Yeah, certainly. They've beat St. Joe's. They've beat Dayton. They've beat VCU. No one really NCAA worthy. And what better uh, stage to to test this out on than in the Carrier Dome in front of thirty thousand people. Um, I think the thing that uh, we want to look at, Scott, is Syracuse for all their their uh, bench strength and, and their second five could could beat anyone in the conference. Everyone everyone loves throwing that one out there. Syracuse is only ninth in the Big East in rebounding, and if there's anywhere that Seton Hall can um, come out on top is is on the glass with Her Pope and Uda. And we've seen Fuquan, that guy, I mean, he can... He gets after it. He can hang out on the perimeter and, and knock down trays and guard well on the perimeter, but he can he can crash the glass, too. So if... And you said Chris Joseph, um, while he's good, he he's not 
really banging down low and crashing the glass. Yeah, they don't do a great job of team rebounding, and I, I think they sort of let Fab Mello do the work down low. Or at least that's sort of the feeling that I've gotten so far this year. And that's why I think the biggest matchup is going to be her Pope against Fab Mello. And what kind of, what is the length of Fab Mello going to do to her Pope? I mean, he's got, what, three inches on him? And I don't know if their arm lengths are different or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's going to be really interesting to see. I think Pope needs to prove that he's the Big East player of the year in this matchup. I think he needs to prove that he's the go-to guy for this Pirates team to keep him in the game and hopefully try to steal a win. Uh, you know, I, I think big equalizer here is going to be the three-point shot, too. And I think Fuquan and uh, and what's uh, what's the uh, freshman name, the freshman's name? Cosby. 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 I think those are going to be two guys that really need to have a nice game from the perimeter in order to uh, really make sure that they can take this game from uh, the Orange. Yeah, and you talk... Uh... Speaking of a juxtaposition of if there ever was one, you look at Syracuse's bench and then you contrast that against Seton Hall's lack of a bench. I mean, Harold's Carlos for Seton Hall is the only guy that, that logs any significant minutes. So I think you're you're going to see, this is how I see this game playing out. It's going to be a tight First half, Seton Hall is going to look good. They're going to be hanging around. Everyone's going to be talking about how they're vastly improved and, and they're a team to re, be reckoned with. But I think those last 10, even five, I think they can hang with them for 35 minutes. But just I think Herb Pope and Theodore and, and Fuquan are just going to be so tired and worn out from, from Dion Waiters and their athleticism and hanging with Joseph and everyone that – it's they're just going to become exhausted and tired, and, and I think Syracuse is going to pull away at the, at the end of this game. Yeah, I, I tend to think that that's going to be the case as well. I, I hope that Seton Hall keeps it a game in the second half because I think that they need to have that momentum and that belief in themselves on the court that says we can play with the best in the country. And totally. if they don't get that, I think it's going to be a tough first half of the Big East play for Seton Hall. Um it, it could get really ugly really quickly. Um, but let's move on and talk a little bit about another game. Villanova at West Virginia, which is also Wednesday night. I believe it's at 9 o'clock. West Virginia coming off a real tough loss in overtime to Baylor. Can they uh, can they come back? Can they rebound and, and take a win against Villanova? Absolutely. I think anyone—it's uh, not that tough, a, tough of a test. With We've seen Villanova's struggles— early on losing to some some pretty mediocre opponents. Um, from the Baylor game, that I think it's going to carry them into this game and, and further, Kevin Jones is just killing it. He had 28-17, and 17 and I didn't get to watch the game. I watched the highlights. And this guy just knocking down trays. He's hitting fadeaway, um, turnaround jumpers crashing the glass, hitting long bombs. This guy can score from anywhere, Scott. And the thing in this game, I don't know who's going to match up with him. I don't know who has the athleticism to hang with him on the perimeter. And I don't know who has... I mean, he gets, especially on the offensive glass, he gets a he gets a, uh, an offensive board and he puts it up right away. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a guy this year that can... That is that kind of like Energizer Bunny, or is that quick on on getting a shot back up at the at the rim? 
Yeah, I think that that's going to be the difference in this game, too. I think Kevin Jones is just going to absolutely take it to the Wildcats. I don't see anyone on the Wildcats roster that can match up with him. They'll probably try to put Hilliard on him, but I I don't think that he has the type of body that can really give Kevin Jones problems. I think he goes nuts um, and just continues his great season of play in their first win against Villanova Wildcats. Um, I just want to bring up a quick aside here. Did you know uh, Devin Ebanks is starting for the Lakers? No, really? Yeah, he's starting. It's it was it drove. I couldn't believe that he's a starting f- guard forward in the NBA. I think that speaks more to LA's lack of a big, you know, anyone outside of the big three. That's interesting because uh, I don't know if you listen to the BS report. Simmons and he had Joe House on. They were doing an over under on wins for. Uh, every NBA team, and Simmons undershot him big time. He said that they were only going to win 34 games this year, the Lakers. Wow. And Joe House is like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And Bill Simmons said, who is their fourth best player? It's Josh McRoberts, I think. Yeah, and there's just nobody outside of Kobe and Pau Gasol, and I don't know if he was including Derek Fisher as the third best player. Bynum. Bynum, yeah, outside of Bynum, they have nobody. So good for Devin Ebanks, but yeah, they got they got nothing outside of uh, the big three. Yeah, it's going to be a bad year for uh, if you're a Lakers fan in L.A. Good year for a Clippers fan in L.A. Though Scott, I thought you were going to bring up uh, the aside that you were you mentioned. I thought it was going to be Bobby, Bobby Huggins just going bananas. Well, after, that's another after one after the Bay, Baylor game. Yeah, if uh, if you guys out there in six overtimes nation want to. Do a quick Google search for uh, Bob Huggins on Deadspin. He uh, he lost it at the end of the game against Baylor. Some guy was heckling him from the stands, and he just went nuts. He lost it. He was screaming. His face got all red. Uh, it was it's pretty funny to watch if if you guys have some time. He wanted that seven hundred and first victory. Exactly. Exactly. But congrats to him on getting getting the big seven seven oh oh. Oh, big time, big time. All right, I think we've had enough asides, and we both are on West Virginia. Let's move on to Connecticut at USF. Every game, everyone that uh, is a Big East fan is holding their breath for this one. Um, they're, it's going to be a great matchup of uh, the best versus the worst, and it's going to be tricky. Yeah, um... South Florida had another tough loss the other night to Southern Miss after we thought that they were turning the corner. They beat a good Cleveland State team, uh, an upstart team. We thought that they were moving in the right direction. And then they and then they go up and score 51 points again where they go 1 of 15 from 3, commit a boatload of turnovers. And that's just not – you can't even compete against a team like UConn. Um, and it's – it's uh, I don't even know – I don't even know how where to even start to give them a glimmer of hope to compete against UConn. Do you, Scott? No, I don't. And that's almost where the glimmer of hope comes from. It's it's like one of those matchups that you can never say that the Browns are going to go into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers because every statistical thing is saying that UConn's going to beat the hell out of the Bulls, mm-hmm. um, especially because UConn's backcourt is so good. And that's, I think, where USF has really struggled. 
Gilchrist is going to be marginalized by Drummond, and I don't see it, but, you know, stranger things have happened in, in the world of sports, and, you know, I always think of uh, Chris Berman when he says, that's why they play the game. Mm-hmm. So we will see uh, We'll see how this goes. I, I think this is a blowout. I don't think it's close, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, UConn is superior in all things. They're stronger in the post. Uh, Olander, Oriaki, and Drummond are going to beat on Fitzpatrick and Gilchrist. Uh, the guards for UConn will just wear down. Lamb and Napier and Boatwright um, will eat Collins and Hugh Robertson and and who's the other guy? Um, Victor Rudd. I mean, those guys are inefficient with the basketball. They take ill-advised yeah. shots, and and UConn is just gonna just gonna eat their lunch. That's what's what it's gonna come down to. <laughs> They're gonna eat their lunch. Um, yeah. So I think you know we've spent enough time on that game. Um, I'm taking Providence College tonight minus one and a half against St. John's. I'm leaving the pit game alone. I that line scares me a little bit. You gotta pick, you gotta pick someone. I'm taking Providence. I'm gonna take Providence. I'm saying in the ND. Oh, I gotta take both games. Yeah. Um, give me Pitt then. Give me Pitt and Providence. Good choice. Um, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a great slate of games tonight. It's gonna be the undercard for the two games tomorrow, uh, with Syracuse playing Seton Hall and, uh, of course, Louisville and Georgetown. Uh, but tonight's a great, great night to open up those Big East presents for everyone. And I hope you guys, uh, in, and have a great time watching the games as we're going to uh, just sort of salivate over the first night of Big East play. Probably the best gift of the year for for this time of year is watch ESPN.com. I think. Yeah, uh, check it out, guys. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, they're not a sponsor of the show just yet, <laughs> but uh, might be for all these games, especially Wednesday night where there's four games going. You, I mean, you gotta have uh, the iPad or another screen going to watch it, to catch all this action. Yeah, it's great. Um, but for the six overtimes, uh, my co-host Chaz Wagner, I am Scott Wildermuth. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to talk about the games, you can hit us up on Twitter at six overtimes and email us. Email some questions in. We'll talk about it on on the air uh, at six overtimes at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.